This is a Federal News Network podcast. Like everybody else, the Air Force has had to move its conferences online because of the coronavirus pandemic. But now that they've had a few experiences with virtual events, acquisition officials aren't sure they ever want to go back to the old way of interacting with industry. The Air Force says even after the pandemic is over, every industry engagement will have at least one online component. We get more now from Federal News Network's Jared Serbu. As the Air Force has scrambled to convert its industry meetings into virtual ones, it's been overwhelmed by the response in a very good way. The Spark Collider and Pitch Bowl had already been billed as the largest small business event in government history, but it was planned as an in-person gathering at this year's South by Southwest conference in March. But it wound up attracting more than 5,000 attendees after it was moved online. Several weeks later, the service hosted an online kickoff event for Agility Prime. That's the Air Force's program to jumpstart the development of flying cars. 57,000 people watched online. Those experiences have convinced Dr. Will Roper, the Assistant Secretary of the Air Force for Acquisition, Technology and Logistics, that even after the pandemic is over, the Air Force should never again host a physical event that doesn't at least have an option for virtual attendance. I'm excited about this. And I I think beyond this year, this COVID-19 pandemic, that this is going to be the way that we engage. We will still do conferences in physical locations, but we'll never do them the way we did in the past. We are going to continue to have this virtual overlay so that people can uh, can join without having to travel. They can be part of the community. So social media and the ability to uh, have queries and polls and to engage as opposed to just listen is part of how we do business. Speaking to reporters last week at a virtual roundtable, Roper said the relative handful of online events the Air Force has conducted in the last few months have democratized its engagements with industry. Big companies with large business development teams get the same opportunities for interaction as small firms who would never be able to afford attendance at large in-person conferences, let alone several of them per year. Virtual events have shown that we can open the aperture much wider than a physical event allows. Physical events may be required going in future, but but my commitment is to make the virtual event the event. So the real thing is happening online. There might be cases for having, you know, conferences with large floor space because they're physical things to see. But in the case of Agility Prime, the company Saberwing showed their air vehicle for the first time virtually. Of course, that could be done at a conference with a big display and dropping a curtain. But it was done just as easily online with many more people able to participate. And I think it's going to be a learning experience. I'm not going to own that I, that we've got the playbook for how do you run a physical event but make people feel like the virtual event is the real thing. But the first time we do it, we'll uh, we'll have our pencils sharpened, we'll take notes, and we'll try to make sure that the benefit that we've seen with this massive collaboration online, that that continues. And if we find that we can't, maybe our events just become virtual. We just we just accept that's the way we do business now. And it's a better way of doing business that we discovered. The crisis creates an opportunity we're benefiting from. The Air Force is already planning at least two more large online-only events. The upcoming Hackasat competition, which was to have happened in conjunction with a new aerospace village at the annual DEF CON conference, is now scheduled to host an online initial qualifying round starting on Friday. In the final round in August, White Hat hackers will be tasked with trying to hack into representative military satellite and ground control systems. And in November, the service's Rapid Sustainment Office will host a virtual version of its Advanced Manufacturing 
Manufacturing Olympics, previously planned as a physical event in Salt Lake City. Teams will compete in several different types of competitions, including one on which they'll be given a random box of aircraft parts and asked to build copies of those from scratch without their underlying design documents. The Advanced Manufacturing Olympics is tailor-made for a virtual event. And as you start thinking through it, my goodness, it makes a ton of sense. We would have had people traveling in from Salt Lake City. We would have to ship in a bunch of machines. We would have talks and breakout sessions. Yes, you can do those at a conference center. There are ballrooms that make that easy. But ballrooms are never, they're, they're great for the people in the front, but people in the back, it's hard to see. So the virtual event breaks that down. It gives everyone a front row seat access to the speaker, the ability to engage, the ability to be part of a social media experience, leaving a lasting fingerprint on the event itself. And in terms of watching the events occur, well, rather than ship the machines in, just let people video from their local businesses or universities where those machines already are. Uh, Video what you're doing, do some time lapse so we can watch it happen quickly. And I think I think we're going to have fantastic participation. Roper has similar high hopes for what could happen when the Air Force moves its Hackasat competition online. In the short term, it could open the services engagements in the white hat hacker community well beyond the people who can attend DEFCON in person. Over the long term, if things go well, it could also help build the kinds of long-term relationships it will need if it's going to expand bug bounty programs into weapon systems in development. I think there's huge potential for this. We've got a group of people in the Air Force called CROWs, Cyber Resiliency Officers for Weapon Systems. These are wicked hackers. They're at the Fort Meads and elsewhere. Amazing people. We do not have enough of them to go across our program. and We're going to have to use our CROWs for systems that are highly classified that we simply cannot outsource to a broader community. But I think there's an opportunity to have crows that are not government employees, that are individuals that have gone through some screening, that are available to do a bug bounty, come probe a system. And the thing I hope will be the case is that people will think that they can make a living hacking Air Force and Space Force systems, that, that, there's, that there's a living in that in the long term. And with the number of programs we have, I think that there, that there is. And if that is the case, that opens us up to a much broader community. And if a white hat hacker is able to find something in development that we wouldn't have found otherwise, it might be the government's propensity to point fingers and say, you've somehow exposed a vulnerability in a way the government shouldn't. And I don't view it that way at all. If that vulnerability was there and that hacker found it, then that was a vulnerability that a hacker could find on the battlefield. Shame on us if we allow that to be discovered in warfare. Jared Serbu, Federal News Network. Check out Jared's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Around the country, feds and contractors have risen to the challenge to ensure the government operates. That's why this year's May We Say Thank You e-card campaign, sponsored by WEPA, is giving you the opportunity to let the public servants in your life know just how much you appreciate them. Search thank you at federalnewsnetwork.com. Ladies, we know what we want from our birth control. But what about what's in our birth control? That's why I chose the 100% hormone-free Paragard intrauterine copper contraceptive. It's the only birth control that uses just one simple active ingredient to prevent pregnancy over 99% of the time, with no hormones and no daily routines. Paragard is a small IUD that prevents pregnancy for up to 10 years using copper. Ready to get what you want? Talk to your healthcare provider to see if Paragard could be right for you. 
Don't use if you have a pelvic infection, including PID, get infections easily, certain cancers, Wilson's disease, or a copper allergy. Pregnancy is rare but can be life-threatening and cause infertility or loss of pregnancy. Paragard may attach to or go through the uterus. Tell your healthcare provider if you miss a period, have abdominal pain, or it comes out. At first, periods may become heavier and longer with spotting in between. It won't protect against HIV or STDs. For product information or to learn more, visit Paragard.com. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit LiveXLive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.